the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up, author Matthew Betley. You're going to want to get to know this guy. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Well, this is a place for sanity. It's a sane sanctuary, if you will. And I like to have guests on that I think are particularly sane and smart. And that's why we're having on Matthew Betley. But he's given me permission to call him Matt. You're much more of a Matt than a Matthew, you say? What, what may, what's the difference between a Matt and a Matthew? I think uh, a Matthew is, is a very intellectual, kind of soft-spoken, and I'm kind of the opposite of that. I, I, I'm the uh, alpha male, former Marine, very uh, visceral, very aggressive uh, Matt version of that. I My brother's name is Matthew. We've always called him Matt. He's always gone by Matt. and His wife likes to call him Matthew. She's sort of the intellectual. So I think there's something to that. There's something to that. But he he's Matt to me. So, and, But your book is under the uh, name of Matthew Betley. This is your latest. It's The Neighborhood. We're going to get into it in a little bit. Uh, I read the whole thing, the cover to cover. I actually left my first copy on a plane and had you send me another one because I was getting right into the thick of it. And I'm like, oh, no, I, where's my book? So well, we you get upgraded. into that. You got, you got, as a result, you got a hardcover out of it. I do. Did you sign it, though? I don't think you did. I don't think I had a chance to sign that one, but I can remedy that. No, that's okay. I, 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 Getting to know you is better than having you sign it, and we've sort of gotten to know each other over Twitter. And you sent me – there's so much to you. I, don't, I almost don't know where to start, but let's start with that U.S. Marine Corps logo that we see behind you along with a couple of American flags – you're a former Marine. Do you say former Marine or once a Marine, always a, a Marine? So you don't so say it, that? It's once a Marine, always a Marine. And up until a couple of years ago, it was a former Marine. In my case, I was a former Marine officer. Now, okay. you can be described actually as an ex-Marine if you were dishonorably charged like that Marine who actually shot up that country nightclub. Uh, several years ago in California, I actually wrote a column about that. So when you're dishonorably charged, you're an ex-Marine. But what they did was they changed the guidance within the last year or so. I didn't even know about it. I was still referring to my, myself uh, referring to myself as a former Marine. But it's now we're just all Marines. The only yeah. problem is I, 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 you know, I still work out every day. I wear my hair short. So when I say Marine, I think people think I'm still active duty, and I'm not. Okay. 
I'm so glad we spelled that out for everyone. So you're I'm a sure Marine. I'm sure probably just confused somebody even more. Well, that's okay. That's okay. They'll figure it out. So not an active Marine, but always a Marine. I I, I love it. What made you enlist? Uh, so I so I actually uh, had graduated from college. I went to Miami University of Ohio back when we were still the Redskins before the political correctness movement, and we changed our name to Red Hawks. Uh, I was looking at top 10 law schools and I had a life-changing event occur where I was in a movie theater and out of 400 people, I'm the only person who stops somebody from getting beaten up by a much younger person. And I literally, it literally changed. It's a, it's a much longer story. And it changed my entire fundamental outlook because as people were cheering me to go help this guy, all I thought was, what are you people doing? You're just sitting here watching me go help this guy. In my defense at the time, I had actually just won a state title in martial arts. So I thought I could defend myself, yeah. uh, but I didn't have to throw a punch or do anything. I just slid between the two and kind of stopped it. But it made me at that moment realize I wanted to do something much more proactive than, than go to law school. And the best part about that was I was actually the captain of our mock trial team in college. And we placed 11th in the country, actually argued at Hamlin Law School in front of the Minnesota Supreme Court. Uh, the following year after I graduated, Miami went on to win a national championship in mock trial. And when I went back to speak to the entire Naval ROTC uh, group of cadets, they actually now have a, group, a bunch of mock trial classrooms at Miami and Ohio. And, and my professor was still the coach. And he said they still talk about us, which was kind of cool. Oh, that's really cool. When you when you argued in front of the Minnesota State Supreme Court, was was Alan Page one of the justices? I I, I have no idea. This was literally nineteen ninety four. Yeah, so it was probably a blur. Anyway, it, it I, was I, a I blur. Think, I do I remember going to the Mall of America, and I remember almost getting into a fist fight with the team from the Citadel. Oh, so it can get physical these uh, debates. Uh, I was, yes, I was taunting them, and one of them <laughs> one of them didn't appreciate it. I, we've been talking for 10 minutes and I'm already not surprised that you were taunting them. So I think, you know, your personality <laughs> speaks for itself. So it's a long way though, from a, a fight in a movie theater where you saw an opportunity to help someone and do something a little bit bigger. It's a long way from law school ambitions to the Marines. I mean, you, I don't know, is it, am I overstretching that or what, what it, made I, you think Marines? So, well, I, I wanted to pick the hardest service I could. Uh, you know, everything I knew about the Marine Corps uh, screamed excellence. They strive for excellence. I actually, the, no kidding, the next day I called the recruiter out of Columbus, Ohio, because I lived in Cincinnati at the time. And I uh, and the recruiter drove down. We met at a Friday's. And no kidding, I, I think uh, then he had another meeting with my mom to explain this, uh, even though I was... 26 at the time or 27, but she obviously wanted to know what was I thinking. And I, I, I literally signed paperwork. And then the fall of 99, I was off to officer candidate school at Quantico, uh, Virginia. Uh, So much comes to some, there's just image that comes to mind when you say Quantico, I I don't know, Quantico. It's so well, you've so got the FBI it. Academy there. You have the DEA. Uh, you know, at, at uh, you, you do ten weeks of officer candidate school in what's called the main side of Quantico. Then you go to the other side and you do six months at the basic officer course. 
and you train on some of the FBI facilities, Hogan's Alley, which is that little miniature version of a city they have there. Right. Uh, you do a lot of urban combat training. And then I actually went to a scout sniper school there and then the legendary infantry officer course. I was actually at Quantico for almost an entire year before mm-hmm. I even went out into the what they call the Fleet Marine Force. Well, before I forget you to say this, uh, thank you for your service. I, oh, I, you. I would say that to anyone who has served, uh, unless I guess they're dishonorably discharged. But <laughs> I, I, I thank you because it takes a lot of courage and a lot of selflessness to go do that. And we don't have enough of that right now. And, and speaking of that, we have seen the numbers, the recruitment numbers drop, I think across all four, maybe. Uh, am I missing one? Is, is someone going to get mad at me if I, oh, am I supposed to say Coast five? Coast Guard. I mean, the Coast, Coast Guard's Guard, yeah. kind of, yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Coast Guard. Five. Uh, it, it, why do you think, I've heard, you know, Joey Jones say why he thinks it's down. What What's your take? Uh, I, I think it's this bit, I think the focus is on the wrong thing. People don't want to hear this, but when you're in the military, at least in the Marine Corps, your focus is on killing people and blowing things up. And if you're not doing those things, you're either training or supporting units that do it. Uh, that's the mindset I had for 10 years. I mean, it's why I write violent geopolitical action thrillers for a living. Uh, but along with that comes a sense of camaraderie, esprit de corps, purpose, focus, discipline, all the problems I've had in my life. If I didn't have the Marine Corps and the sense of discipline that it, it injected into the core of my character, I wouldn't be here today. You know, but I think the military under this administration has lost that focus. I, I, I still one of my best friends is a Marine Corps colonel. I talked to plenty of people in the military and we have lost that purpose of what the military is supposed to be. You know, you, you look at all the political correctness being injected, the focus on diversity and inclusion. I always say that in the Marine Corps, I didn't care what color you were because we all bleed the same color. It, that's mm-hmm. it. What you do defines who you are, not right. what you look like, not what you necessarily even believe. It, none of that matters w- when it comes down to it. But under today's military, they make it seem like that's all that matters. Is your identity? And, yeah. And, and, and it's just it's the wrong focus. And I guarantee you our enemies are just laughing and mocking us. That's that's a concern for sure. And you're right. It doesn't have to do with the individual. It has to do with the what the what the purpose of the Corps is all about, what the purpose of the armed services is all about. Your individuality, you you give that up to an extent when you're on duty, right? Because it's not about you. Absolutely. I I I know I've seen a lot of people on social media over the last few years say wait a second, that's not a constitutional right. Well, guess what? When, you're, you, when you uh, swear an oath to, to the Republic and the Constitution, you, you kind of give up your constitutional rights because you have to do what the military tells you to do. You know, there's a reason why they say when I was active duty, when, when the country was much less politically divisive, there's a reason why, hey, don't give your political opinion on something because as, as a Marine Corps officer, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it things have changed. Oh well, yeah, our, our senior leaders have changed, and and our senior leaders have failed us, and they can continue to fail everyone pretty much on a daily basis. That's why. How I far back that does that go, in your opinion? I mean, we're just talking about this administration, the previous no, administration. I, I honestly, you know, it's it's really funny when I wrote that piece this week past weekend um, in regard to the the PACT Act finally being par- 
finally being passed. Uh, you know, I, your listeners may not know, but I have permanent lung damage from toxic exposure to burn pits from my my tour in Fallujah from 2006 to 2007. And, uh, you know, I, I wrote a series of columns. I battled the VA for 15 months publicly. Uh, I've been an advocate for that issue for four years, but they've been aware of that since 2004. That, that mm-hmm. actual burn pit issue has been on their radar since 2004. And our, I'd say it goes back to even the Bush administration, especially when you look in hindsight at the fact that we didn't even need to be there. Uh, you know, the problem is they send men and women to go do this job often at the peril and loss of their own lives, and then they fail to take care of them when they come back. And then it takes a celebrity to actually get something done, which to me, I'm grateful for John Stewart for, for stepping up. He has a track record of doing that after 9-11, but it shouldn't be that it's, way. It shouldn't, take, it shouldn't take should him. Actually, yes, it shouldn't right. take him to do it. Right. You know what? I want to dig into that deeper when we come back from this short break, because you did write the piece. You did have things to say about John Stewart that you are grateful. It's a really good piece and I want to draw people's attention to it. So we'll do that when we come back. Well, folks, since November of last year, the stock market has plummeted, but gold has been on the rise. Gas prices are a joke. The stock market has been extremely volatile. Inflation is the worst it's been in four decades. And there's this war between Russia and Ukraine. You know the rest. The markets don't like instability. But the good news is you have options. Gold prices are rising as investors turn to gold for protection. Gold provides a hedge against inflation and protects against a weakening dollar. Legacy Precious Metals is the only company I turn to for investing in gold and silver. You need an investment that's going to protect your wealth and your retirement. Call Legacy Precious Metals today. You want to be proactive while there's still time. Remember 2008? Those who invested in gold saw huge gains while others lost their retirements. Legacy Precious Metals can advise you on all your options for investing in gold and silver. You can speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals at 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Back with Matt Betley, don't be confused if you go to buy his book. It's under Matthew Betley. The Neighborhood. It's really good. It's really good. We're going to talk about that in a second because I have a couple of interesting questions about that book. But you wrote for Town Hall an opinion piece entitled War, Burn Pits, Resentment, and Grace, A Natural Imbalance. It's a really good piece if people want to check it out. I, I will repost it on all of my channels Uh, It was from August 7th, and it was after the PACT Act was passed. So, again, you have permanent lung damage. What do you experience on a daily basis? Uh, It actually started, no kidding, a month after I returned from Fallujah in 2007. Uh, I was, at the time, I was a 35-year-old, supremely fit, like shredded, jacked, 35-year-old Marine captain. A month after redeploying home, I started getting sick. Uh, I got sick for the first time where I was out for two weeks and I started coughing up phlegm and and I was like, what's going on over the next two and a half years? It got progressively worse. I underwent all this testing. I actually got out of the Marine Corps in 2009, but then it took a full year later 
for the VA to realize, hey, you suffered permanent lung damage to whatever you were exposed. And it was a VA pulmonologist who actually uh, made that diagnosis, ironically, on 10 November 2010, which is the Marine Corps birthday. But, but because it was done a full year after I separated from the service, I wasn't eligible for a medical retirement, of course. Uh, you know, I, I, I applied for a disability claim. Uh, and, and like every other Marine, I had, you know, shoulder wear and tear, knee wear and tear. You get a percentage. And the year, as the years went on, uh, what happens is when you get a cold, you're out for a few days, right? When I get a cold, it has a chance. It's like Russian roulette. All of a sudden, it'll, it, it triggers this horrible reactive airway disease where I'm coughing un- uncontrollably. I can't talk. I have to take multiple inhalers, multiple antibiotics, and I'm basically out of commission for weeks on end. Uh, just in the last year, I've actually had COVID twice, Delta in the fall. And of course, I was vaccinated because I'm high risk. That was my personal choice, right. uh, just given my, cir- my medical circumstances. Uh, you know, I was vaccinated, boosted, but I ended up getting COVID Delta in December or September. And then three months later, I got Omicron. Omicron for me was nothing. But Delta laid me out for 45 days. Oh my and then, I, you know, it's, and, and it's all worse because of this condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's something I can live, I, I can live with. It could be much worse. I have friends who didn't come home. I have friends who lost limbs. Um, and, and when people look at me, because I still work out every day, I'm a runner, I, I'm a really fit guy. So people look at me and go, well, how's that guy disabled? Yeah. Well, talk, talk to me if I can even talk when I'm sick and you'll be like, oh, wow, that guy's a mess. I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh. So, it's so, so I've been, it, it's been, it's been ongoing for, for that long. And so you, you see John Stewart step forward and start to become the voice of this much as he did with the nine 11 cancer, uh, you know, the people who were exposed to all that mess at, at ground zero. What did you make of, of, again, you referenced this earlier, but the fact that he felt a need and that's what it took to get the attention. Well, so, so when I battled the VA, it was in 2017 to 2018. And I wrote another series of national columns at both town hall and national review about how I was battling the VA, because what I realized was that my lung damage of all the things wasn't actually covered in my disability claim. So I had to go through and, and the ironic part, and this is why it was awful is every month for, Almost a year, I would talk to a different person at the VA. They would give me very clear instructions. I would follow them like a good Marine to the letter. And then a month later, I would be told that what I had done was wrong and then I had to do something else. So that's why I started writing national columns about it because I have the platform. Because if I was going through this with the resources I have, I thought about the 200,000 other veterans who had signed up to the burn pit registry at the time who probably didn't have the resources I did. And so I, that's why I chronicled it. I went on Fox News uh, in 2018 um, up on Dana Perino's show when she had the afternoon show. And then I talk about it in every interview. And, and, and I was working with John's, the Burn Pits 360 advocacy group. When they saw me on TV, they reached out to me. And so I knew that they were going to recruit John Stewart like last year. Uh, okay. maybe a year and a half ago, or maybe it's, maybe it's even been two years because the pandemic time frame gets a little warped when you think about it, mm-hmm. but I, I, it, it's crazy. I, I'm glad that he stepped up and I knew as soon as I heard that he would be involved, that it would actually get resolved. Yeah. But the fact that our politicians and our leaders are so corrupt, 
Their priorities are so self-centered that it took John Stewart to get something to be passed. It's unconscionable, but that's that why, I, I mean, the, the, the system is broken when it comes to taking care of your average American or the people in the military that actually serve this country. It's just a fact. It, it, well, it is. And we've seen it again and again, and people claim to be fixing it. Uh, you know, look, there's a lot of stuff that's broken right now. So I'm sure that when you see that the, the Senate passes this legislation to, that includes hiring 87,000 new IRS enforcers, you got to be, you got to be, your head must be about to explode. Uh, yeah, well, all that, the money given to Ukraine, which, and, and uh, by the way, Ukraine, I what Russia is doing is unconscionable. It's horrific. Uh, but we're spending money in places when we're not taking care of things at home. And 87,000 new IRS agents, I just want someone to tell me what the definition of the middle class is, because in this economy, I don't feel like I'm, I'm wealthy or well off. I don't know many people who do unless you're like super wealthy. But even then, I can't wait to see what these 87,000 new IRS agents are going to do. Are they just going to harass small business owners? Are they going to harass people that have a different political ideology? It it seems like an utter waste of of time and money. But then again, our government is often just engaged solely in fraud, waste and abuse. And there's never accountability for it. And that really drives people crazy. And so if, if anyone wants to know, or really, I think, understand why certain people, as much as, as many people that hate Trump, mm-hmm. there are just as many, obviously we've seen it in the polls that love him. And I think, I think that's why, because he has shown he can fix some things and he's so totally, utterly an outsider with a different approach that I, I, I'm starting to wonder if DC is afraid of someone coming in and and ruining the game. I, you know, and, and that's why I I supported him when he ran in 2016 because I despise uh, the, the politicians in DC so thoroughly, and I knew they would hate him more than anything, and he would disrupt their little game yeah. that they have going. And that's on both sides of the aisle. It doesn't yeah, matter it uh, when it it really doesn't. I mean, the system is broken no matter what. Uh, you know, but right now, obviously, the Democrats are in power, so it's kind of it's obviously lopsided. But I don't know what's. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the midterms. Uh, I know what I think is going to happen, uh, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. I, I'm still shocked about the the, the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Uh, I just I can't I cannot believe that happened, given what it's supposedly about. So, but you know what? If that's how they want to roll, okay. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what when the other shoe drops. You know, if if things do change in November, what happens then? I I think there's going to be a lot of people wanting payback. But this is an extraordinary. You and I are recording this uh, the morning after Mar-a-Lago was was raided. There are so many questions yet to be answered, but it is interesting to hear you say that. There, this is what I'm saying when I say there are a lot of systems broken. We can, you and I could do a whole day on the FBI yeah. and and some of the other elements that are out there that are not serving um, the proper purpose. I don't think, but that's that's for another day. Um, 
I'm so enjoying this and I, 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 we've got to talk about your book. So we'll take one more quick break and then we're going to talk about this book, which I've heard some whispers could turn into a movie. So stick around folks. Hey, if you saw uncle Tom, you want to see uncle Tom too. It unveils the Marxist strategy of creating false racial tension between Americans. It's ultimate goals, obtaining power, destroying capitalism, and replacing God with government. Pre-order Uncle Tom 2 today on SalemNow.com. Go to SalemNow.com. Matthew Betley, Matt, is my guest. Again, the book and all of his books. Matthew Betley is the author. This one's The Neighborhood. This is your most recent. Forgive me. How many have you written? Uh, this is actually the fifth full-length novel, and I wrote a novella that I released uh, during the pandemic, which is an origin story for, for a, a fan-favorite character from my Logan West series. So this is so interesting. You write well. How did you go from being... Um, not to say that Marines can't write. Obviously, you can. I can where count. did you get I got this? Ten fingers, so hey. You do. That's true. But where did this love of storytelling come from? You're going to love this, uh, and this is a hundred percent true story. So my my readers and followers, they know I'm a recovering alcoholic, thirteen and a half years sober. Um, God bless at, you. At man. the time I got sober, six months after I got sober, I was on vacation with now my wife. And I was reading this boring international best-selling spy thriller that had been recommended by Stephen King in Entertainment Weekly. And I, I was reading this, and the protagonist was so fundamentally inept and tactically incompetent that I turned to my wife at the end of the book and I said, this dude should be dead. Like right now, this guy should be dead. He's horrible. I want him to actually get shot. And I got viscerally angry. And I obsessed about it. And I turned to my wife and I said, I could do a better job than this. Now, I have no background in creative writing. I have no fine masters in fine arts or anything like that. So I obsessed about it for a year. And then a year later, I sat down and I literally started uh, typing Overwatch, my first book that ultimately came out in 2016 and was a Military Times top 10 and nominated for the best thriller of 2016. Uh, and, and it's kind that's of- remarkable. Uh, how did you, how, if, you know, people who get published know how difficult it is to get published. Mm-hmm. So how did you find a publisher for, so here's what happened. at that point, you, no one knew who you were. No one knew who I was. Um, I actually bought a book called Jeff Herman's guide to publishers, editors, and agents. And it was the 2012 version. And I went and I submitted. So first I wrote the book. It took me 18 months, eight days. I got a little leather journal that I actually don't use notes. I don't have notes or outlines for any of the books or screenplays that I've written. And uh, so I have this journal that I've, I've owned since 2010. It just kind of sits here almost more as a memento. But um, what I did was first I shared it with a couple people that I trusted, including a New York Times bestselling author who said, Matt, okay, you actually have some talent and you need to pursue this. So once the book I thought was in the the final draft form, I sent it out to 92 literary agencies. I got rejections from people that I now know personally in the business who didn't know me then. Um, And it was number 83, this retired woman in Florida who had written a best-selling nonfiction book in like the 70s who said, I can't believe you're not represented and we want this book. So it then took, so that took 15 months 
And then it took her another 12 months to get my first multi-book deal with Simon Schuster. And I just happened to land with the legendary author, Vince Flynn's editor, who also publishes Jack Carr and Brad Thor, like right and Vince out of Flynn, Vince Flynn was a, was a friend of mine. So that's an uh, interesting he, connection. He, yeah. he is Vince. I've met so many of his fans at my book tour events yeah. uh, in previous years. I have never heard a negative thing about no. that guy. I can tell you no. negative things about me. He was like the nicest person you could ever talk to who was willing to help people like truly at his core. That's who he was because there are not a lot of authors who, who might say they're nice, but I know for a fact that they're not. It's kind of, a, it can be a backstabbing business to be quite yeah. honest. Oh, um, I'm sure. Yeah. So, so my first four books came out with Simon and Schuster and then I decided it was time for a change and, that's actually how we got here today with the with the neighborhood. Okay, um, it is a thriller. The protagonist is almost too good to be true. Is he based on you? No, uh, he he is not. Uh, if you ever read the Logan West series, I actually split my personality down and I gave half of it to Logan West, and then the sarcastic, natural, daily self to John Quick. But Zach's okay. Chambers. I wanted to create, uh, you know, so for people who don't know, the neighborhood is about a gated community 40 miles west of D.C. that comes under siege in the middle of the night by an assault force looking for something. They cut the neighborhood off from the outside world. And you could do it theoretically. And I, and I, I did. That, that's what was going through my mind, Matt. The whole time I was reading, I was thinking, I, this, this could probably happen. It could. It, it could realistically happen, especially for a secluded neighborhood that yeah. far out in, in, yeah. in suburbia, like rural suburbia. Right. Uh, they'd be able to do it for a few hours, I think. Absolutely. Um, and, and how I got the actual. Well, so the, the, the assault force is looking for something and then it turns into a super modern take on a spy thriller with atypical characters. You got this 17 year old female track star, a suburban dad, Zach Chambers, who's more than a suburban dad. Uh, you know, and then and it turns into a fight for survival as to how do they get out of this horrible situation in which they find themselves. The, real quick, the, the yeah. idea for this story, every year I live in a, a pretty nice neighborhood. We have uh, what's called, you know, the the, uh, the the local fire departments. They they send the fire trucks in and somebody's dressed up as Santa and they collect oh, boys. Yeah. And so while I was standing there a couple of years ago, I literally, like a good thriller writer, thought to myself and said, what if these guys were bad guys and they wanted to take all the hostage? What would we do? And what would I do? You know, and I'd be like, hmm, because all my guns are at home. What would I do? And, and that's literally the idea for the book. That is crazy. That is, yeah. I, 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 you have an interesting brain in your head. And I, and I think we all know that by now in this short time we've had together. I have one critical question about this book. There is a character named Brandon. Was that name purposeful? Because one sentence in the book, I've memorized it. It goes like this. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> so I, I don't know, but it, it's very possible. But I, I may have actually added that during an edit. I, I don't know. Um, one of my other books my third one in the Logan West series, I actually describe that came out in 2018. I describe a fake news helicopter that's used to land on the Secret Service training facility to extract a bunch of bad guys who just killed the director of NSA on I-295. And I describe the helicopter, though, as a fake news helicopter and a reviewer 
caught that and called it out and said it was like the greatest line of the year. And I was like, because this was when Trump was calling everything fake news. Right, right. Yeah. That's why when I read this, I turned the page and it says, let's go, Brandon. I, I thought that was on purpose. But you're, uh, you're sitting on, here telling man. me maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if you had, now if you liked ice cream, then I would de- say definitely. <laughs> yeah, I don't recall any ice cream in that scene. So, um, Matthew Matt Betley, I can't. I I've been sitting here with this book for weeks, so I've I've Matthew in my mind, but I'm glad I get to call you Matt, just like I call my brother. The book is the neighborhood. What are the odds it gets made into a film, Matt? Uh, it's actually really good. So I, I had a movie deal for my first book, Overwatch. It fell apart like things do in Hollywood. For the last two years, even before this book was bought by a publisher, we've had an A-list producer on board. We've got this rising star female action director on board. We also had this major screenwriter on board. We lost her a few months ago, and they asked this guy to actually write the screenplay adaptation and we're in final revisions before we go back to the studio because the producer has a what's called a first look deal. And the studio okay. has actually already seen the book. So okay. we also have other key elements. It, I, I'd say the odds are very good that this is going to get made. And so if you had your your wish, your pie in the sky, who would play Zach? Oh, so I'm having these discussions with our director almost on a daily basis because we're getting close to that point. So I cannot answer that specifically because we're having this discussion and I do not want to uh, reveal the people that we are considering for that role. But there are some pretty big names on that list. I can't wait to see how this all shapes up. Neither can I. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So when you're ready to break that news, will you come back here and talk to us? Oh, I'd love to. Absolutely. That would be great. Matt Betley, the book is The Neighborhood. I'll show it to people once again. It's it's a worthwhile read. It's a lot of fun. And especially if it comes out in film form, it'll be uh, good that you have read it. So again, thank you for your service. Congratulations on being a recovering alcoholic. Best of luck with your long man. You are a multifaceted guy. We could have talked for hours. And so we'll just have to have you back. Sounds great. Thanks, Michelle. I appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. This has been Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya. Be brave, do good, and get yourself a copy of The Neighborhood. Well, we always appreciate it when Charles Thorngren can join the join the podcast and talk a little money and gold in particular with us. Gold and silver. And Charles, it's these are mad times. I mean, it's just really wacky. And anyone who's watching the stock market is probably asking themselves, what do I do? I don't, I don't know, you know, I'm not, I don't know how to ride this roller coaster with everyone. And so obviously you recommend investing in precious metals. What's the first step that someone should take in learning about what precious metals can do for them? You know, the, the first step, um, give us a call, right? We're, we're going to show you what options there are available. Um, that's what Legacy is about, is showing you options and educating everyone. The important thing to know is that we don't invest in gold and silver because it's pretty or because it's it's unique. Those things are true, but we do it because it has the history of being the true diversity for someone's portfolio. It's the insurance policy against everyone's retirement 
and their uh, their savings. So, so this is why we look at at gold and silver specifically. It's the currency that was always meant to be, right? It's not a fiat currency. There's no um, inflationary effect on it. Gold and silver are going to be worth what they're worth. The thing that changes with everything is the amount of dollars it takes to buy that gold and silver and the amount of dollars you get for owning that gold and silver. That's the big key. And this is what people don't understand about it typically is that it is not the stock market and it is not the dollar. It's an investment that is counter to both of those. So it gives you true diversity and balance is what everyone's looking for right now. They just don't know it. As inflation yeah. gets higher, this is where gold and silver come in. It's someone saying, okay, I, I want to do this, but I want to choose one or the other. When right. they call you and ask you these questions, when would you recommend gold and when would you recommend silver? You know, that's a great question. And what a lot of people wind up doing is actually doing a little of both because that's possible, right? But it's going to depend on your specific investment parameters. And that's one of the things we're going to do that we're, we're different from your typical stockbroker because we're not going to say, this is what all my customers are doing. Because that's not what's important. What's important is what matters to you and your portfolio. When is your retirement coming up? What are you looking to accomplish, right? What are your risks? What are, what are, your, what are your safety features that you need? So there's a lot that goes into it. And what we do here is, is talk with you, right? Our, our big thing is to educate you so that you understand why you're doing it as well as in what form and fashion. Because that's important. It is important. And I think, too, that people probably think uh, I'm a small investor. This is not for me. I can't I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do this at a level that will benefit me to them. You would say what? Um, I don't think you can afford not to. If you have money saved and you're not flush with cash, it's more important than ever for you to make sure that you put yourself in a protective situation. Right. You have less to lose. So you should not lose it. It's, it's really, you know, it's, it's not about how much money you have or don't have. It's about how much protection you need. And if you don't have a, a very large portfolio, then you probably need it more than the guy who does because you can't afford that loss. And look at what the market's done over the course of the year. We are talking about a situation where the loss is extravagant and it's not done yet. This is why we look at uh, precious metals to counter that. And lastly, Charles, for those who fear that a recession may already be here or is coming, what do you tell them about how in a recession this investment helps out? Great question. A um, couple answers there. We are in a recession, um, but the reality is it's not going to get bad for a few more months. Then it's really going to be bad. What we see happen next year is going to be devastating. Just think 2007, 2008, right? The troubles with 2008 happened in 2007. It just took time for it to hit the market in a real sense. And this is what we see. You know, we have inflationary numbers that rival the 80s. Um, that's something that's going to be dramatic. So, when we look at this, we say, why do we want to do it? And that's exactly why it helps because it's not the dollar and it's not the stock market, right? This is the safe haven investment. And if you look at long-term wisdom, that's what metals do. 
They give you a place to store your wealth without the effects of inflation, right? Inflation is good for your metals. The stock market correcting is good for your metals. Uh, a weak economy is better for your metals. So that's what it's meant to do. And that's why it has its place in the economy. We're talking about a worst case scenario right now, but even under the best of terms, the government tells you two to 3% inflation is a good thing. And at two or 3%, it doesn't sound bad, right? But over the course of your retirement and your lifetime investing, if you go 40 years, you've lost over 120% of value of your dollar by not having metals. So even in the best of times, there should be some in your portfolio. And during the worst, you really want to make sure you get a hold of somebody who can explain why and show you what options you have. Yeah, that's why we love to recommend Legacy Precious Metals on our show, Sideline Sanity. So the website is LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. You can also go to the website and find the phone number to call, learn a whole lot more. It's just worth asking some questions, right? A quick phone call and getting more information about everyone's specific situation. Absolutely. We're a no-pressure organization. Everyone who contacts us, they reach out to us. We share information. If it's right for you, great. If it's not, that's great too. Learning something never hurt anybody. No, that is true. And we're <laughs> glad we had you on to learn something from you today, Charles Thorngren. Again, it's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Please go check them out. Just ask some questions. Learn a little something. Thank you so much, Charles. My pleasure. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.